0: your destination for all aspects of elder dragon highlander enjoy your stay here comes the sun do 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 here comes the sun doo, doo, doo. It's, it's all right Ooh. what's up everybody you're watching slash listening to the command zone podcast Here in sunny Los Angeles. We've never done that, have we? Here in sunny Los
1: Angeles, California.
0: (laughs) I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah, wow. What a great morning. We got some traffic out there on the five right now, and things are looking rough. But we got some tunes for you. We'll be singing all of them. (laughs) We've got 32
1: minutes of nonstop music. Oh, yeah, that's right. Before your first commercial break, music here at 98.2 CZFM. The, The breaking news today. Josh
0: Lee Kwai, known for his appearances on Game Nights, has broken Boros through. (laughs) Audiences had no idea if it could be done. Turns out it can be done. And Josh
1: showed that in magnificent order. I don't know about breaking, but yes, you all um, on the latest Game Nights, we put out the call. We let everybody vote on which color pair, which guild Mm -hmm. each player would be playing. And y'all tried and troll me. And I may have helped. Yeah. Jimmy may have, <laughs> may have encouraged everyone. You know, that I was like, I think Simic, Simic was winning when one you did you. that. And then it was just like, <laughs> Boros. I was like, yeah, thanks
0: Who a Who wants to see Josh Lee play Boros? The crowd goes actually very high. There were a lot of people that <laughs> wanted that. But uh, yeah, the it went viral-esque in a way. And Josh had to play Boros on our last Game Nights episode. I played Rakdos. Rachel played Orzhov. And Kenji played, S- uh, not Simic, is it?
1: Yeah, so we're going to be breaking down my Fire Song and Sunspeaker deck. From that episode, a lot of people were surprised with how well it played. Uh, I was a little surprised as well. No, I'd played it a few times, um, so I knew the deck was strong. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people expressed interest in hearing us break it down. So we're going to do that. Before we get into it, we do need to talk about our sponsors. You know, if you want to build a really cool Boros deck, either this one or we just previewed a really sweet oh Boros legendary creature from
0: Did War of the Spark. Ever. Let's just deck tech that.
1: Yeah, I actually think that deck's probably... A, even I think it's better
0: than this deck. Oh, I think it's actually much better than this deck. Yes. Yeah, so, and we'll talk about that.
1: So you can go to cardkingdom.com command zone right now and pick up boros cards basically for either one of these decks or you can just pre-order your booster boxes, your bundles, all that mm-hmm. type of stuff and you're going to buy magic cards anyway. You really are helping out this show, Game Nights, all of our content uh, when you use the affiliate link when you do buy the cards. And while you're there, Ultra Pro represent the Legion. The Legion
0: did approve. That's the top comment on the last video.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the
0: Legion approves and we're you have a way to do that with Ultra Pro product with their playmats, deck boxes, sleeves, across every every way you want to. You can find a way to theme your playmats to be whatever good you want. in this case we are talking about boros that's a lot of boros on the command zone this week.
1: Yeah, that is actually. Um, the, and the final way to support all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com/command zone, you know we have a really good community. You can yeah. chat with Jimmy and I daily. Where our, our, we're on our Discord server quite a bit these days. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other people on there. If you're deck building, brewing, whatever, there's a ton of experienced EDH players. Yeah, way more are, than
0: me to be honest. That
1: are giving out advice. I'm all the time hearing about cards where I'm like, I have never even heard of that card, but it seems awesome. Yeah. So our Discord is available to patrons at a certain level. If you go to Patreon dot com slash command zone and also we call out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to keith, keith Rupp. Rupp keith you rock keep it up all right so let's go into fire song and Sunspeaker, the deck tech of course, you guys said Josh you're gonna play Boros and I chose the one that did not have to do with attacking. Yeah, this was the, the buy
0: box preview. Promo yeah. promo, right? Yeah. Yep. Firestone Sun Speakers, four a red and a white for a four six legendary creature, Minotaur cleric. Six C M C Josh. Oh <laughs> seems
1: bad so far. <laughs> six mana Boros Commander. be a We all touted
0: this as, as like this could be the card that saves Boros. Because it really was our only option.
1: Yeah, I, I think.
0: Listen, I think the deck is good. We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. So, Fire Song and Sunspeaker says, "Red instant and sorcery spells you control have life link, and whenever a white instant or sorcery spell causes you to gain life, Fire Song and Sunspeaker deals three damage to target creature or player."
1: So your red spells gain you life, and your white life gain spells kind of deal damage, right? Yeah, it kind of like synergizes in that way. They are a Fire Song and a <clears throat> Sunspeaker. Fire, <clears throat> Sun, Red, White. So. You know, what do you think? Do you think this is,
0: is a powerful when you saw it? No, I really didn't. Because one, it's a six CMC commander. It's going to take a lot of time for you to even get it out there. And then after that, you have to play very specific spells you normally wouldn't in commander. It's very prone to removal in that way. And you're also directly making everyone very upset at you while you do
1: these things, right? Also, this doesn't address any of the issues we have with Boros, right? There's not really card advantage. Yep. There's not really ramp in there. It's not attacking either, which we usually tout attacking as like a a not the best strategy being aggro, but at the same time, if you're gonna take away the strengths of the color pair and be like, that's not actually even good in this deck, it seems like it would be bad. But it turns out that it is, it does encourage you to build a spells-based deck, Mm -hmm. which I think is, just a more powerful way to go than like aggro combat attacking yeah it gives you more
0: flexibility and uh, as we'll learn just having powerful spells you don't need to necessarily have your commander out f- to make a difference in a lot of ways
1: yeah a lot of the spells in the deck are still going to be good without fire song and Sunspeaker, speaker but will be way better if they are out yep um so i i did this deck tech a little different than normal usually we do sort of different categories building up to like how do you win yeah but to me i started out with how does this deck win um when i was building it one of Probably two-ish ways. There's two very specific ways that I thought the deck would try and win. And then, of course, within the deck, there are enough synergies that you can sort of put together a couple of other ways, Mm -hmm. but they're not as efficient. So the the main way that I thought the deck would win um, is with an earthquake-style effect. So there are—well, I'll just read rolling earthquake, but there are a couple— uh, cards that basically have this same text in the deck mm-hmm. rolling earthquake is red and x for a sorcery and it deals x damage to each player and each creature without horsemanship <laughs> regular earthquake does this except for instead of horsemanship it's flying flying yeah and there's a, there's a couple other cards that are similar but it's really the damage to each player that's a good way to win because yes it's dealing damage to you but because your spell has lifelink... Thanks to Song and Sunspeaker. That damage to yourself is evened out. Not even even out. You gain some life a lot well, of times. Well, you gain life off the other players and even right. out with you. So if you did this for, let's say, X equals 20, that would deal 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 to yourself, but that would even out. So you'd gain 60 life off that exchange. Yeah. And deal 20 to everybody, which is a lot. And so that was one of the ways that I envisioned the deck being able to sort of win or finish off the, the stragglers near the end of the game. is like boom big explosion i gain life so it doesn't kill me you all die yeah and even if you don't kill them you maim
0: them to the point where they are within you know getting shot down by something and you are now at 70 80 life uh in which case the other most powerful card in this regard it would be ether flux
1: reservoir yeah (laughs) we did see this on game nights
0: yeah and uh, this is actually a very popular commander card obviously black and white and law of life Gain decks will use this to great advantage uh, in storm decks as well it's a four mana artifact It says, whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you cast this turn. And then the important text, the more important text is, pay 50 life. Flux Reservoir deals 50 damage to target creature or player. This is almost never going towards a creature. I'll say that much.
1: Yeah, and and you're not even too worried about that. Every time you cast a spell, you gain life thing. A lot of decks are. They're going to try and chain together five, six spells to gain the life to use this. You're like, no, I'm gaining a ton of life off of a single earthquake at some point in the game or something like that. And then... Etherflux Reservoir just gives me a way to use all that life and finish off, like, a person or, or two people, maybe. Death I mean, Star people, as people talk about it. If you ever get to over 100 life and you have Etherflux Reservoir, it's nearly impossible to, to lose the game. Yeah, no one can do anything to
0: you because you would just be able to point it directly at them and say a thread of activation.
1: They can't even go to remove the Etherflux Reservoir most of the time because if they do, it in will response, just... you laser them and anything they've got on the stack goes away with them. Only, like, cross grips and certain, like... Split second cards. Yeah, and and maybe like disallows things that counter activated abilities can maybe get you out of that. But it's very difficult. There's not a lot of cards that will get them out of the situation once you have it on the table and a a really healthy life total. And then you're putting yourself at a pretty severe disadvantage if you have
0: to disallow and get rid of this in the same turn. Lots here to consider.
1: So if Earthquake is going to be a really good way to win the game. You know, I was trying to build in a bunch of ways to make the Earthquake as impactful as possible. And get some, in a way, some card-ish advantage. Yeah, and so, you know, doubling or forking the spell I thought was a really good way. So if you can cast an Earthquake for 20, but then you can make a copy of it while it's on the stack, all of a sudden, you're just killing everybody. And you're gaining enough life from the first one that even though the first one comes out and takes out Firesong and Sunspeaker. You survive the second yeah. copy. So there's a lot of fork-type spells. Those are two of them. Yeah, Reverberate and Reiterate. They both have
0: the same text that say copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Reiterate specifically has an extra buyback cost of three mana, so you can pay an additional three, and this goes back to your hand. Very good card in the Mizzix deck specifically, but in this case, well, copying someone losing 15, 20 life, that, that is almost always going to be lethal.
1: Yeah. And we saw in Game Nights, uh, we didn't say this at the beginning. If you haven't watched the new Game Nights yet, it's a couple weeks old at this point. Hopefully you have. Um, We may be spoiling some things because we're talking about the deck that was played. So not a bad idea to stop the video right now. Go watch it and come back if you don't want the the ending ruined. So going back to Reverberate and Reiterate and Fork-type spells, these aren't just good to use on your own. Cards, they're also really good to use on your opponent's cards. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like again, we saw in game nights. People cast very powerful spells in EDH. And to be able to be like, I get that spell for two mana or yeah. three mana is really strong. How does red counter spell something? By copying it. Yeah. Or they go to counter you. You can oftentimes copy their counter and point your copy at their counter and mm-hmm. save your spell. Or if
0: they go to remove something, you can remove something as well. If, I mean, this is a way that red gets access to other parts of the color pie. It's not necessarily clean because you have to wait for someone else to do it. But also you're limited in
1: options in general. So I'll take what I can get when it comes to that. Yeah, I think I think these are underplayed cards in general. Um, Two other cards that can kind of help you fork or copy your earthquakes and things like that are Primal Amulet, which is a... Artifact that the important part is it flips over and becomes a land that can copy spells uh, when you cast them and pyromancer's goggles which is a five mana artifact that taps for red but if you use that mana on an instant or sorcery spell that's red you copy the spell so again with rolling earthquake and those type of things just double it up
0: double it up Super and you're gonna powerful. you're gonna need a lot of man to do it too and here's some classic cards that again usually are like you know, it's like, oh, I can use this once to do something, but you kind of need that one time you use it to win the game. Uh, it, that's kind of that's the hole that you're put in with this deck, is you're very all-in on a lot of your plays, which is very much my play style, but not yours, I don't think. <laughs> so you kind of need to make sure that when you do go off that turn, you have the ability to hold up all the mana you need to. So a card like Mana Geyser, 3 red red. It's a sorcerer, you add red to your mana pool for each tapped land your opponent's control. If you can cast this, usually people won't counter this part of it. They'll see what you're going to do with the mana, then counter that. So you get all the mana, then you're holding up a Reiterate or a Reverberate. You have a billion mana, so you can buy it back as well. And you can also use cards like Treasonous Ogre, one of my favorite cards. Three and a red for a 2-3 Ogre Shaman. It's got Dethrone, but more importantly, you can. it's an activated ability to pay three life and add red to your mana pool. So at Instant Speed, you're already gaining all that life, right? So now yep. you can convert your life into Etherflux Reservoir stuff, or you can use it for something like Firesong and Sunspeaker. Uh, by having all that life and then
1: just pff, spend it all, get a bunch of mana, just keep going off. Turning your life into mana, very powerful in a ge- deck that like has a lot of life gain. Yeah. um, Yeah, and I like mana geyser is a card that you don't often want to play until your opponents are tapped out anyway. So yeah. often it's just like... They won't even have the ability to counter something. It's A lot of times it's just like, I get 25 mana in my mana pool. Like, yeah. that is very often, if you're going to do that, you're going to win the game in a deck like this. Yeah. Uh, Neheb the Eternal is another one that just this is a favorite of yours, Jim. Yeah, actually, all three of these cards are played in my mono red Neheb deck because it's they all just about getting a bunch of mana. big mana real fast. And then, and then you then how fireball. Can you use it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's a way to get enough mana to sort of get off a big fireball or a I'm going to call it that, but a Big Earthquake or something like that. Um, there's also some cheeky stuff you can do. There's Stuffy Doll and Boros Reckoner in the deck, which are creatures that when they take damage, they'll deal damage to your opponents. Mm-hmm. And so you combine those with some of the board wipes like the Earthquakes. But also there's Blasphemous Act, there's Chain Reaction in the deck, and these are cards that are going to deal damage to all creatures You'll gain a bunch of life because of Firesong and Sunspeaker, and if you have Stuffy Doll or Boris Reckoner out, that damage will be converted into damage against your opponent. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to sort of end the game. Firesong and Sunspeaker gives these things lifelink. Think of how powerful that is if there are, like, seven creatures out. Right. If you Blasphemous Act with seven creatures out, it deals 13 damage to all seven creatures. Yeah, so you gain 91 life right there. Wow. And that's like two, yeah. ma- two mana. Yeah, it kills Song and Sunspeaker, but a lot of times now I'm at 91 life, play Treasonous Ogre, use 60 of it to make you know 20 mana and go crazy. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff this deck can do. Right. And it does require a bit of setup because
0: you are going all in a lot of these cases, but you definitely, you want to get there, right? You, once you have the combo built up, it can sometimes be really hard to interact with you because you can just reiterate, reverberate, and you can buy it back because now you have a Treasonous Ogre or you have just tons of mana to use you can sort
1: of lock down the game that way. Yep. So one of the cards I added was, that I didn't have in the original list on Game Nights was Hour of Devastation. Ah. What I realized is Hour of Devastation is three red red for a sorcery that deals five damage to all creatures and planeswalkers. Five damage is the perfect number because Song and Sunspeaker has six toughness. Four six. I don't know why I didn't have that in the list originally. So if you only looked at the Game Nights list, you should look at it again. Yeah. I've made a few upgrades and that's one of them. Well, in that game, there were not too many creatures on the battlefield, so... Yeah, that's it true. It wouldn't have been too effective,
0: but yeah, right. it's a great addition. I think actually one thing I should know is that you It would Game have Nights,
1: killed that stupid angel though. <laughs> yeah,
0: that 4-4 that kept smacking you. Yeah. <laughs> one thing about that Game Nights episode that I don't think a lot of people realize is how low the creature count was in total. Yeah. So actually a deck like yours a lot of times was at a bit of a distinct disadvantage because your cards like Earthquake weren't also board wipes and Blasphemous Act. Wasn't an easy card to cast.
1: I mean, if you're facing a token deck and you have an Earthquake in your hand, oh. even just doing it for three can oh. sometimes gain you like an insane amount of life because if they have 30 creatures- that can be like 90 i've i've been at like you know in the hundreds of life totals in this deck you know i think that
0: actually answers the question about how boros can get card draw just live long enough to get more turns
1: <laughs> like i have so much life that i'm gonna live long <laughs> enough to draw more cards i mean it does give you a, so a bit
0: of a lease on life to be like at least i can continue the to top deck for a little bit so it's not card draw it's just you know
1: more being alive for a little bit longer and i think that kind of goes into the next section which is the rest of the deck honestly once you get past like the game main game plan, which we just laid out, is kind of like ramp, card draw, removal spell, and board wipes. And it's kind of just the plan is like, don't let anybody go too nuts mm-hmm. until I can assemble the situation I want, which is I mana geyser into an earthquake, or I reiterate an earthquake, or I flush Reservoir after I've blasphemous acted and gotten a million life. Right. And that's kind of the the game plan. And so having a lot of life plays into a control strategy Because, like you said, time is important because you just want enough time to get the pieces together. And you sure as heck aren't drawing that many cards in Boros either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's us to your Command, Cleansing Meditation, I think is a card we haven't talked about maybe enough on this show. Great card. Yeah. It's a card with Threshold that says destroy all enchantments,
0: but if you have Threshold, which is if seven or more cards are in your graveyard, you destroy all enchantments, and then you return to
1: play all of the cards in your graveyard destroyed this way. So it basically destroys everyone else's enchantments, but not yours. Um, And the deck doesn't have a ton of enchantments, so... Even if you just need to fire that off, a lot of times you're going to be fine. Well, red is not great at dealing with that, right? And and white is sort of where they have to go for that. So that's why a command is just,
0: again, one of the best board wipes in the game, bar none.
1: There are some efficient removal spells. Lightning Helix is a really good one. It's a red and a white for an instant. It deals three damage to a target creature or player, and you gain three life. But? But it really deals six, and you gain six, because Lightning Helix deals three, has lifelink, so you gain those three. Then you gain three life, and Fire Song and Sunspeaker says if a white instant or sorcery would gain you life, you deal three damage to something. So then it deals three more. So yeah, two mana, deal six, gain six. Super efficient and just worth it in the deck. I didn't actually put like Lightning Bolt in here. I still didn't think it was quite efficient enough. No, I think you. I think Lightning Helix
0: is the right call because yeah. it's both colors and affects both sides of Fire Song and Sunspeaker. And Lightning Helix, sure, someone like Ben Bateman might play it in their commander deck because they love playing. Mario and he will and probably cards. get me with it. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> but you do have the additional value. I, I don't think just gaining life off a lightning bolt is enough. Right, right. right. You don't get the extra damage again like the lightning yeah, exactly. does. Yeah, exactly. And then here's a card we just keep talking about more and more. Electrodominance, cardking.com slash command zone. Pick up a copy. X red red instant. It deals X damage to any target, and you can cast a card with CMC cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. It's a great way to give cards flash at instant speed because this is an instant instant. This can just get people as well. There's tons of different options and and times when you'll cast this, maybe you'll put out a blocker, or you'll cast this, and then you'll be able to throw out a Sunforger end of turn before someone can really deal with
1: it. There's a lot of things Electrodominus does. It's a good way to sneak the Flux into play at the end of turn so that they're not ready for it. Right. Okay, before we continue, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. All right, and we're back. So the next card we want to talk about for this Firesong and Sunspeaker deck is... The literal you know, best what, card. Yeah, what <laughs> Jimmy correctly identifies uh, during that Game Nights episode as the best card in the deck. By a long shot, by and the way. And I think most Boros decks, if they have this card in it, it will be the best card in the deck. It's Sunforger, which you, if you watch the episode, you see, like, I get to the point where that's my entire game plan. is yep. like... Well, you look at your hand, you're you have two uh, cards. Two in your cards hands. most of the game and I'm like Sunforger, equipping and unequipping is my ability my only ability to stay in the game and it's actually decent. I was in the game yeah. just with that game plan. So let me read Sunforger. It's 3 mana for a Sun for a artifact equipment. Equip creature gets +4/+0. Plus plus doesn't generally matter, but it can cuz you make an 8 6 uh Fire Song and Sunspeaker that's hitting yeah. people. It's not like that doesn't matter at all, but the the big text is Oh sorry, it equips uh for 3 mana. But the big text is you pay a red and a white and you unattach Sunforger. And then you search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and you cast that card without paying its mana cost. So basically a five mana tutor, three to
0: equip red and a white on top of that and find any... Red or white instant sorcery card. Not
1: sorcery, just instant. Well, instant. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: With C M C four or less. I think actually the four or less number is pretty important too. You can get some bigger stuff with it.
1: Yeah. If you do four CMC, you really only overpaid by one and you mm-hmm. it's card draw because it was in your library and now you're playing the card and it's, it's card selection, card draw, it's tutoring. It's tutoring, yeah. Yeah. Because you're you're getting specific cards and specific answers. And so most decks that have Sunforger will have a Sunforger package. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of two ways that Sunforger... Sunforger package can be um can be meant. The first is a couple of different ways to find the Sunforger. So Enlightened Tutor, Steel Shaper's Gift. I talk a lot about Steel Shaper's Gift as a card I'll put in even though I only have like a skull clamp and a Sword of Feast and Famine in the deck because Skullclamp is good. so good that like I just want another copy of it. Yeah, Sunforger exactly. plays that role in this deck, so Steel Shaper's Gift. Also, there's a Sword of Fire Knights that I recently put in there mm-hmm. as additional card draw. And, yeah, yeah, that's good. N- normally, I would put Feast and Famine, right? Right. Well, Feast and Famine or the maybe the Life Gain one. Yeah, but in this deck, I actually put... Fire and Ice because of the card draw on, on the sword, and I wanted it. But Sunforger is the card you go get first. It's just that if you draw Steel Shaper's Gift. When you already have Sunforger, you can still use it for the other equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to Sunforger package, that also means the cards in the deck that are there because you know you could go get them with Sunforger. And this is a really toolboxy thing, and that's why when it's out, it's so powerful, because anything that happens at least the first couple of times until you start running out of gas for the Sunforger, you have a way to deal with it. It's funny, red-white has a few outside-the-color-by things that, like, really give you a lot of play.
0: Yeah, and it the
1: downsides, right? You can only un- unequip it once.
0: It's on someone else's turn, so you have to wait for it to come back. But at the same time, we talk about this at Boros, you are so limited in your options that, that this, even though it's, it's good, it's very powerful, and I think this in any other color combination would be absurd. right. In Boros, it just happens to be the best card because nothing else comes close to doing this, even though it does have its limitations. So that just gives you another idea of like, Josh didn't break Boros, all right? He made a great show of it, but I think we only reference it once, but you really just had no cards in your hand the yeah. entire game.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um, some of the cards in the Sunforger package that you can go get, we saw played on game nights. Lapse of Certainty is mm-hmm. a white um, counter spell. We recently had a big discussion on the Discord about whether it's a real counter spell. I think people... It's a tempo spell. I I really do think it's a real counter spell. I think people overestimate the downside of... Well, let's go ahead and read the card. Two and
0: a white for an instant counter target spell. It's a white card. If that spell is countered this way, put it on top of its owner's library instead of into that player's graveyard. So it does time walk them a little bit too because they have to redraw the spell and they're not going to draw a new card the next turn.
1: Yeah, I think people think like, oh a lot of people said, well, it really only delays them or whatever. And and technically it reads that way, but I've never played Laps of Certainty where I thought it mattered that it went on top of their library. Mm-hmm. I was never like, oh man, you're they're going to draw it next that... turn and what am I going to do? Most of the time you're protecting something important that's going to happen next turn right. or you're stopping somebody from winning right then. And a lot of times it's like, I stop you from winning, now everybody knows you're about to win and now we can concentrate on you and yeah. your window is gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that happens, I think, a lot in Commander, which is like, in 1v1, you only have yourself to rely on, so delaying somebody is not that great because, like, well, what are you going to do when they now draw it and play it? Yeah. But in, in a multiplayer game, I have two other people. What I'm going to do is I ha- is basically what I've done, which is I warn Jimmy and Mel that Craig's about to do this thing, and they can now help me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or, you know, in the case of our game nights, it was a little different where you you did this to protect your own stuff, which I thought was by far the most bizarre sequence of plays maybe ever. (laughs) The Counterspell War between between Boros
1: and Orzhov. (laughs) Just, it happens. It's on game nights. Teferi's Protection, a card we talk about all the time, which can protect you from basically anything. Uh, There's also two cards, I think, that are really good in the deck, and unfortunately, specifically, what Rachel did at the end of game nights didn't allow these to come into play. But there's comeuppance and deflecting palm i'll read deflecting palm it's red and a white for an instant the next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn prevent that damage if damage is prevented this way deflecting palm deals that much damage to that source's controller so what can happen here is that they attack you with like a big creature you deflecting Pommet and they take the damage they were going to take from the big creature or like, let's say they fireball you or some mm-hmm. big source of damage. I've won games with this, playing oh, this You deck. can definitely steal a lot of games with this kind of card. Not to mention it triggers both sides of Firesaw and Sunspeaker as well. The problem with why I couldn't use that at the end of the game uh, on Game Nights is because damage is not the same as loss of life. And both Exsanguinate and, and... Debt to the Deathless... loss of life and not damage. Each player or each
0: opponent loses X life so it's not damage. There are a lot of comments about that but yeah just uh, read the card and you'll see. Again red and white, if it was loss of life I think that's actually outside the color pie. So they wanted it to deal specifically with damage being dealt to you by a source, combat, a spell, whatever it is.
1: Those cards steal games so there are times when Sunforger is equipped and it wins you the game because you're like oh deflecting palm, you're dead now instead of me.
0: Makes it really hard to play against this kind of deck too because it might be like well we just need to get them down to a certain life total. We have to all just swing at him and at a certain point someone's gonna get got yep. by a card like that
1: also sunforger can get reiterate can get reverberate can copy so it's not, it's like they go to cast some crazy instant or sorcery that isn't mm. even pointed at you and you're like oh time stretch i'll take two extra turns too yeah you know, that kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oof. i mean yeah well they'll get their two extra turns first But so you still you get some extra turns <laughs> no, card draw pretty good. extra turns
0: we did it <laughs> we did it
1: red with their crappy copies of the other versions of cards Okay, so before we go here, because that's basically the deck, it's not super complicated. Um, you know, like I said, t- trying to build up to a big earthquake, rolling earthquake, ether flux reservoir, take advantage of something like that. Maybe some get a little crazy with a stuffy doll, a uh, Boros Reckoner. Mm hmm. And, you know, a blasphemous act and that kind of stuff, that can happen. Um, those, those are fun
0: combos, but anytime yeah. someone
1: tells me a combo with three or more cards, I go, cool, it, it, magic dream time, Christmas land. That's not your main plan. You may yeah. have to resort to it if you get lucky later, but, but most of the time you're just trying to control what's out there, remove key things, mm-hmm. and put together a really big earthquake or something like that. But I did want to talk about two cards specifically that are sort of newish and I think are for me at least, becoming staples-ish in these colors. One for sure and one-ish. So the one that sort of I want to talk about first is Stolen Strategy. And it's four and a red for an enchantment. And it says, At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of each opponent's library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-land cards from among those exile cards, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So you kind of Itali other people's decks. I mean, you have to pay the mana to cast the cards. But it doesn't require you to tap and attack. That's right. And you know, you can spend mana as those mana of any colors. Mm-hmm. You can't play lands this way. It doesn't say play the card. You have to you have to cast it. However, in some ways it kind of draws you, I was gonna say three cards a turn. It draws you like one and a half. One and a half, one point seven yeah, cards a turn. Around there, yeah. Close to two cards a turn. Pretty good. And the thing that I've found with this card is very often you're taking things from the deck that your deck can't have. So card draw, you like, if you find a Ristic Study off oh, this, or if you, you find a... Slam dunk that card. Yeah, rampant growths and stuff like that, that your color can't do. And that's the kind of stuff you can find from other people's decks. I've really been very happy with Stolen Strategy. And decks that have red, but not blue and not black, I'm, I'm very likely to run this card. Maybe even some decks that have those two colors too, because it is fun. Yeah, it's fun. It, it adds an element of chaos, which I always
0: love. And again, like sometimes your opponents just have extremely powerful cards i mean getting access to them is pretty good yeah if you're playing against people that are good which you generally probably are then they're gonna have good cards in their deck and even if i mean even if their deck just has some crazy jank stuff in it there's always the corner case scenarios and this happens again three players three different decks three all different colors around you you're gonna find something and yeah. it's gonna make an impact on the game i played this in Limited in two of the giant and it's very good
1: oh yeah it's just, absurd um this is from conspiracy Oh no, sorry, Battle Bond. Battle Bond, yeah. Yeah, so I would encourage people to go out there and pick up some copies of Stolen Tragedy. I think it's a really good card. Alright, let's talk about the second best card in the deck. This card we called it when the set came out, Revnica Allegiance, and I've seen it in play many times now, and it is one of the best white cards, period. Uh, yep, in the format.
0: Period. It's not Path to Exile.
1: Nope. It's Although that's one of the best white cards. To it's not
0: Enlightened Tutor. It's that's, not Tavarious Protection. Not Ferris Protections. But it's on that list. It's Smothering Tithe. Alright, that's the end of the show, everybody. <laughs> Three and a wife for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may play two. If the player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color. Womp. Two is really hard to pay. Two is really hard to pay. Yeah. And you saw it in the episode. We paid for it maybe
1: three, four. I think th- twice. twice. I think it was you both times.
0: You know it was me. Of course it was me both times. Who else would it be? I'm not trying to exsanguinate for all my mana. <laughs>
1: This card is insane. Every time it hits the table, it's just like, uh-oh, and it creates so much advantage. It's for not the- a
0: do-nothing card either, right? It either taxes your opponent's mana, or it's by the time it gets back to you, it's going to give you a lot more mana. A lot
1: of times you can count on getting the treasures to the point where you can say, I'm going to play it. I know I'm going to get two treasures, and then I'm going to be- use those two treasures before it even gets back to me. So it actually didn't do nothing. Right. It allowed me to cast like another spell. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so good in our feather. Oh yeah! <laughs> you're oh always using yeah! That, man, uh... So good! Oh my gosh! And you're drawing card. Okay, we were having this discussion on our Discord the other day. I'm I'm curious for you to weigh in. Okay, if if gun to your head, you could only have. Oh I, yeah, I saw this. You could only have one of the following cards in your in your deck. Which would you have? teferi's protection, smothering tithe. Those are your choices. You can't have both. You can only have one. What do you put in? Smothering tithe. I think so too. Yeah, Teferi's protection. It's a one-time use.
0: It exiles itself when it gets to your graveyard. You never get to get it back. Smothering Tithe, in general, the, the the way the way to win Magic games is by playing cards and using mana. Smothering Tithe is going to get you more consistently. I think if you put it on like a win percentage thing, like times that you win because Smothering Tithe was able to ramp you out,
1: open you up to more spells, get you it, like. When Tavares Smothering Protection just does one thing, it just protects you. I mean, it's very good and it can win you games, right? Right. various Protection. I mean, listen, I think it's it's fairly close. Um, but it's very obvious when Teferi's Protection wins you that game right? because you're like something's about to happen I Teferi's Protection I live through it I kill you or I cast Armageddon and with that on the stack I Teferi whatever don't do that to your friends by the way Um, (laughs) uh, but Smothering Tithe is way more subtle because it wins you the game way turns earlier than you actually win right Right. like you win on turn 11 but smothering tithe actually won you the game on turn six seven and eight by giving you nine extra mana over those turns yeah and that mana will help you
0: contribute to all the other parts of your deck that are important it may help you get that card draw spell out it may help you tutor and play another card that turn it just gives you more options you just had
1: enough extra mana to remove that yeah. key threat and do something yeah also and i think what was underestimated about this card the most is how many extra cards people draw in commander
0: yeah that's a good point it happens all the time it's we we talented all the time card draw is a very important part especially when you play a card like Wheel of Fortune alongside it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole different <laughs> that's thing That's a whole other thing. That I was mean, lucky, by the way. But. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> one of the one-two punches that this deck like, needs to do to really set itself ahead. Imagine if you didn't draw anything off that. That seven cards didn't have your Etherflex Reservoir. I could have
1: easily just not drawn the wheel, too. Yeah. And I think yeah, yeah, Sparling yeah. is still great in that game, but I'm just not rocketed into the lead. Yeah, I think what people don't realize is you know, it's like, yeah, Boros
0: did a great job in these cards you need. If you want to play Boros, that's a way to do it. But you drew probably what? At that point in the game, you probably drawn 17 or 18 cards. You got three of the cards that you definitely needed. And it's not unlikely, but it's, it's on the unlikelier side, I think.
1: Yeah, but going back to Smothering Tithe here, I think that like Consecrated Sphinx, Rhystic Study, People are drawing cards in Commander. They are not like going through their turns yeah. and just like drawing my one for a turn. That's just not what decks do. People are playing, you know, Phyrexian Arenas, and they're playing all kinds of stuff that drawing cards. So, Smothering Tithe is not just give you three treasures every turn. I bet you it averages closer to five over the course of a game if you get it if out. No one pays for it. Yeah, yeah. When they're not, because if you're drawing two cards, you have to take your entire turn to pay for that. They're just not paying for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, when I was playing that game, I was just crossing my fingers and going, I really hope Josh doesn't draw another creature because all he's doing is drawing one card a turn, but he's making a million mana. So you're just afraid of what that person can do with that mana. Smothering Tithe is very good. You have to pair it up with
1: some sort of card draw in some way. It's just like any other ramp spell, right? Yeah. You can run into the problem of I have tons of mana, but nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I just think that card's really, really good. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Right. Here's some cards that I was considering for the deck and for a couple of reasons didn't put in and I just wanted to talk about. So I think Pyroblast or Red Elemental Blast are both really good includes. These are one red mana to destroy a blue permit yeah. or counter a blue spell. These are really good cards. Uh, I think most red decks that don't have blue want to run these. You run into a lot of blue in Commander. The reason I didn't is because we knew the meta for that game um, everyone did, everyone built around the fact that we're playing, and, you know, these are the guilds. We knew what guilds everybody else was gonna be, and since only one deck was gonna have blue, it didn't seem worth it to put that in. Now, we didn't know the specific cards in everybody's deck, but you knew like blue deck, so you may have put in a blue
0: elemental blast if you knew that kenji you know, he's playing blue. So if you think Cyclonic Rift is really going to blow
1: you out that hard, then right. yeah, you
0: you might. That would be the corner case, I think. It's but
1: like, I think in your average Boros deck, put it in there because most games there's going to be a couple of decks with blue in them, and yeah. if there's two decks at the table with blue in them, and often you're against three. Let's yeah. be honest. uh Then that's one mana any other spells like it's, it becomes a really good card. I mean, not to mention though, you do have Reiterate and Reverberate in this deck, so that's you do point. have some
0: protection against it. But yeah, I think if your meta tends to run more heavily towards blue it's always nice to have two options you know it's like i have a, a reiterate and an elemental blast someone plays a blue spell you're going to want to counter it with the specific card that can do it because yeah. you don't want to save your reverberate for something more important later on a uh,
1: dictate of the twin gods is three red red for an enchantment with flash and it basically doubles damage mm-hmm. and i think that's a card that i would think about adding because it's another way to sort of quote unquote fork your earthquake yeah flash it on the end step before your turn now cast the earthquake now, my 20 damage does 40, kills everybody instead yep. of just being mildly annoying. Furnace of Wrath, I think. Yeah, Furnace some of Wrath thing. is another one. Yep. Um,
0: more wheels. More ways to just draw cards, really. I really only had the one,
1: but I think Reforged the Soul is probably a good one I would think about. I don't like the ones that count the number of cards in your hand then shuffle and draw that many because you don't get card advantage off that. Yeah, you're actually losing a card and then you
0: count the cards in your hand. And if you don't have a lot of cards to begin with, like Josh didn't have for the entirety of the game, then it's hard to refill your hand in that way. Yeah, I think people
1: don't maybe understand why Wheel of Fortune is so good and an expensive card and was, you know... It was restricted back in the day. It's because it draws you seven no matter what. So if you can play all your cards, go down to one or two cards, cast it, it just drew you five. Yeah. Yeah, so Pretty it's good. very, very good. <laughs> so And then I put not mana tithe.
0: This is a very popular comment in our last game nights. of Oh, if Josh, if only you had mana tithe to stop
1: Rachel from doing all that stuff. So mana tithe is one white mana for a four spike in white. It says, you know, counter target spell unless the opponent pays one more mana. Here's the thing, and a lot of people were like, if you had it, you could have Sunforged for it and counter the debt to the deathless. Here's why I don't like Mana Tithe in general is because one mana, so often your opponent will just have that on accident to mm-hmm. pay for the spell. It's not all the time that they just tap out for an X spell. Also, if they know you have it, they're never going to not play around it. Yeah, times, it's easy right? to play around, but also they just play around it on accident. So I don't like a counterspell that's just not reliable. Yeah, it's not. I'd much rather have lapse of certainty. I know what it's going to do every time. It's going to stop it right now. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, it goes to the top of their library. But at least Mana Tithe is just a type of card that you have in your hand, and you're like, I really would like to counter that, but they just have the mana. Yeah, I really, and that's the worst.
0: Like a yeah. Mana Drain or something's like, I really just hope they just. Uh... it's like you'd rather have like a syncopate or something in your hand where you can at least make sure that that what you're going to do is
1: counter their their spell yeah so mana tithe yes i know a lot of you thought i should have that in the deck i do not actually believe it's a very good card most of the time yes will you get people out of nowhere sometimes sure yes but i think that's more than balanced out in fact overbalanced out by the times when you just
0: it's just dead in your hand yeah and there's plenty of other cards, again, that do a similar thing to a counter spell uh, that you can use if you need to do it their way, or you know, you just have other options to be more flexible to manitize this.
1: Yeah. So the last note here is Boros problems, and listen, the deck yeah, is yeah. quite good. Um, it's high variance though. I've played it a number of times, both before and after game nights, and it can definitely win games, but it can definitely have those games where it just. Doesn't put the pieces together. The and real unfun games, by the way, and a lot of games. I just find myself at a point where I don't have a lot of cards in my hand. I don't feel like I have very many options. It's not the situation I'm used to being in, so I'm very cognizant when it's happening to mm-hmm. me that it's like, ugh, I just feel like I have three cards and I just have no way to refill my hand, and so I really can only do one thing or two things. Like I just don't, I don't have choices. What do you feel about cards like Howling Mine? Yeah, I have Howling Mine in the deck. There you go. So just because, listen. If you're in blue and you got Ristic Study out, giving you one more card turn is not as big a deal as me getting one more card turn. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like it's not that much of a downside. This deck yet. is definitely dependent on the fact that you got to draw the right stuff at the right time, but also
0: have a way to last. Yeah. Because you know? again, like we saw what, what happened. If Josh had just drawn a little bit differently, he maybe, I mean, it was only because of Sunforger you were able to always have a relevant
1: answer. And, and Smothering Tide. And so Smothering Tide. Co- yeah, combined, yeah. like, gave me the mana to yeah. just recast the commander over and over. Because think you don't have Smothering Tide in that game i'm just totally out of it because yeah. i can't even recast the commander it was costing 12 mana by the end yeah exactly <laughs> so again the deck is very good there's definitely been points where i'm at 287 life or whatever like that's it is it is cool and life linker can take you to that total yeah
0: <laughs> so download lifelinker on the app
1: stores if you guys want the lifelinker app that we use uh when we are playing the game all to right to the listeners to the listeners do you have a favorite boros deck yeah it's probably this one do you think the color <laughs> pair Red, white is as weak as we say, or are you one of those people that disagrees and think that, thinks that it's just fine? We do yeah. hear from people that say, I don't think Boros uh, needs any help at all. I think it's totally fine, which seems nuts to me, but as maybe with- a man with... that
0: loves red, I can
1: disagree with you <laughs> confidently there. <laughs> maybe with feather and a few more like that, we'll, we'll eventually get there, but, but the problem is, a is few more it, smothering tides. Yeah, and,
0: and I think the way they're doing it doesn't really break the, because it's like one creature that you need to base everything around to make it At least, it
1: it legendary, so at least it's legendary, so you can At least it's legendary, yeah. I think we need more cards- on the level of Smothering Tithe, maybe a couple more like that. That mm-hmm. card is so good. It, it single-handedly makes white a, you know, a few percentage points better than it was. Like yeah. That's crazy for one card to do that. Yeah, But absolutely. it's still not enough to to p- sort of push the color pair into the realm of the other color pairs. Yeah. Okay, well, since we've talked up Sunforger, Smothering Tithe, Stolen Strategy, Firesong and, and Speaker, yeah. Feather, you can probably pre-order right now, War of the Spark, if you want any of that stuff, go to cardkingdom.com slash zone. When you use that affiliate link, you really are supporting all of our shows, all of our content, game nights, everything else. You're getting the cards you want, and you're just getting all that stuff thrown in as gravy. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Firesong on because 2 was a buy box promo. So
0: if you buy a box of War of the Spark, you're going to get the Tezerin. That's a promo on that. Oh, yeah, promo. that card actually looks sweet. Yeah, static ability, giving some stuff <laughs> affinity. Pretty nuts. Also, while you're over at Card Kingdom or at your local game store, Ultra Pro sponsors this show. You can find some Ultra Pro product. Like Again, Josh was really able to rep Boros with these sweet Boros sleeves. Ultra Pro always has product that's relevant to the set that's coming out. And they always do stuff that's, you know, throwing back to old sets as well. We've seen them print awesome playmats for all the GPs. So supporting Ultra Pro
1: also supports this show. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Okay, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something outside the world of magic. Josh I, is turning his entire body to me right now. I have
0: something. Oh, you do? Yeah. I thought that was the
1: Jimmy time to fill <laughs> no, the space. I actually, I actually, it's my turn because you've saved me the last couple of times. Nice. So okay, I, I all right. I'm down. It's a show on Netflix. It's called The OA. Have you seen it? No. Okay, so I think it got suggested because we like Stranger Things a lot. Okay. And it's kind of this weird supernatural thriller oh. thing it's hard to explain it's a mystery type show i'd put it in a category of stranger things or like lost those things where you're like learning about characters but there's something weird in the past and you're putting pieces together and trying okay. to figure out Alias, what's going on but J. J. there's some shows yeah, yeah there's some supernatural stuff although unlike the jj abram show i don't want to throw shade, shade. at jj but no we it, can all toss some shade at jj he knows unlike he knows. some of those shows damon lindelof uh <laughs> Here we questions get answered yeah. yes <laughs> That's they, all you need to say. they have a it's clear that they have a um uh, an answer to some of their questions okay great so it's, it's not like they're like just throwing out questions that they're like we don't know we have no idea <laughs> it,
0: well a lot of the times it's like the thrill of the question is better than the answer itself it's like no 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 no, no. i want to know the answers
1: yeah i want to know that you have the answer yeah, so i can exactly. trust you and so the oa on netflix is a pretty cool um Show we've been enjoying me and my girlfriend. So. How many uh, episodes? So long. There's two seasons, and I'm not sure how many episodes per season. We're in like first season, like episode seven. So what's we're, like a we're general. Not... What's it about? Okay. It so, a quick breakdown. Okay. It starts, and there's this girl, and she jumps off a bridge okay. in New York. She survives. Her parents come to the hospital, and she doesn't recognize them because she was blind, but now she can see. Whoa so she's never After actually the, seen the her parents yeah she's never actually seen her parents but then once she puts her hand on their face she recognizes them and stuff but then we start finding out you know she's been missing for a few years at that point too whoa so, whoa yeah. okay so, yeah. do
0: other people start unlocking things yeah as well? yeah okay. and she does right. too cool. so it's cool. pretty i
1: like cool. that i like yeah. that a lot uh, all right something else that you out there might like is our sister podcast. Mike, you will love it. <laughs> the Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, who was just on the show last mm-hmm. week, and Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You know, War of the Spark, Modern Horizons. There's a whole bunch of crazy stuff coming into Modern right now. It's gonna. There's the um, Mythic Championship in, in London, London which, which is also Modern. They're trying yeah. out the London Mulligan. Modern is going through a lot of changes right now, and if you want to keep on top of everything that's happening, Alex and Ben, they're gonna get you uh, caught up to speed faster than anybody. So you can find them on Twitter at the MMcast, right next to us at collected.company or if you type "masters of modern" into uh, your search bar, search bar on Bor. YouTube, Bor. search bar on YouTube, that is where you're gonna find them because they're doing video content now too. The editors
0: for this show are probably a combination of Ashlyn Rose. Rose. Oh, oh that's good.
1: Ashlyn, Ashlyn, Ashlyn
0: Rose. It's like those like uh, oh. Sifby Rose. <laughs> and Josh Murphy. Murph.
1: This is not as cool as Ashland's. Yeah,
0: Ashland's has the angelic quality to <laughs> yeah. it, although she's more of a causal-like kind of person. So. <laughs> that's true. She's far from an angel. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe the Eldrazi see them. Well, actually, they don't, I don't think they're cognizant of really what they're doing, but they, perhaps they, other people did see them as angels. So those people Temple of be, the those false people gods be nuts, man. man. Yeah, yeah that's true. Here, okay. All right. And, of course, uh, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the living card animations that you see behind us on set. As well as the intros and outros of the show, we are in the steam vents today. Oh yeah, sorry, we were talking about Boros, but we have—is it? We just didn't have a Boros background. Nah, this yet. is just our real, true calling, red and blue. Actually, it
1: kind of lines up really well because the blue side's blue over sides there sides and the red side's over there. Yeah, perfect, perfect. perfection. All totally planned, planned, planned. as always.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.
1: Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com
0: or ask us on Twitter at J.F. Wong and at Josh Lee Quai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>